Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo! Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show podcast here on a uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon. We're uh, having a special podcast today. Uh, we've never tried this before with uh, multiple guests, and it uh, looks like it's working out pretty well, <laughs> with maybe one exception, but... Uh, we're here to honor coach Terry Holland and, uh, what he meant to all of us and what he meant to this community and university of Virginia and basketball program. And what we brought back some of his, uh, guys, uh, some of his players and fellow coaches and, uh, some guys are going to dance in and out of the program as we uh, go through it this afternoon. But we're all here to share stories and memories of Coach Holland and and what he meant to each one of us. And and, and initially here at the start of things off, we have the Stokes brothers, Ricky and Bobby, uh, dear to our hearts, and Coach Craig Little Page, uh, who coached with Terry a couple of times and uh, succeeded him as athletic director at Virginia. Went on to uh, well. Craig, I think uh, UVA won 16, I thought, what was it, 16 national titles during your time, I believe. Uh, something, something like that, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some guy from from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, named Gates, uh, we, he can't seem to find his camera for the uh, for the podcast here, but we'll put up with that and, and just listen to what he has to say. <laughs> I'm waiting for my payment first before I show <laughs> And that you're gonna be in the dark for a long time, brother. I understand. I understand. <laughs> I said, are you getting paid, T Gates? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I bet you if Jimmy Miller was here, he wouldn't, he wouldn't. <laughs> well, he's he's got the magic, right? He can he can make dollars appear out of nowhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> It's a check time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, let's let's go first to uh, to Bobby Stokes because uh, of all the guys here, Bobby was the first one of, of this group to have uh, played with for Terry. And uh, Bobby, of course, is a successful doctor here in Charlottesville now, and um, has been for quite a long time. And uh, Bobby, uh, why don't you lead us off and just uh, Tell us a couple of your favorite stories about playing for Coach Holland. Is Bobby on? Oh, I thought Bobby was on. <laughs> I thought, okay, he's not on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lead off with Coach Page. All right, let's do it. Uh, Coach Coach Page. Okay, yeah, thank you, Jerry, and uh, it's good to see so, so many good friends. Well, a lot has already been said and written about Coach Holland that, that people – from a general public standpoint, no. I mean, he was uh, uh, a gentleman. Uh, he was a phenomenal ambassador for the University of Virginia, a fantastic coach, uh, a friend, colleague. Uh, for me, he was one of my biggest advocates uh, throughout my career and so forth. But there was also another side of Terry. I don't know if the other guys will explore this uh, with with you as well, Jerry, but uh I think it's known pretty well that Terry Woods uh, had had a real, real good sense of humor. Uh, but I would I would liken it to 
uh, a mischievous humor. Uh, and I always, when people ask me about Terry Holland, I would describe him as kind of like uh, an Eddie Haskell. And for those people that are old enough to know Eddie Haskell from the Leave it to Beaver uh, show years ago was a very mischievous person. Um, one of the uh, real, uh, what I think was a real funny story was uh, Halloween Day, probably around 1990, 91 in that time frame. Uh, the uh, team was out on the court uh, practicing and uh, Terry had asked the assistant coaches at a certain time to bring the team into the locker room uh, and he wanted Anthony Oliver to lead the team in. So we get into the locker room area, the door was closed. And uh, uh, as Anthony went to open the door and it, again, the team was going in to watch film as far as they knew. Uh, Anthony opened the door Terry jumped out from behind the door in a gorilla suit. And Anthony Oliver, I don't think, ever jumped as high as he did on that day at that particular time. Uh, and everybody just got the biggest laugh out of it. But th that was the kind of uh, kind of person that Terry was. There was one other situation. I'm going to turn it over to some of the other guys because I could go on for days. Um, there was a, a, a situation where we were in summer camp. And on a particular day during the week, Dan Bonner, I think, was having his birthday. Wally Walker might have been with us on that particular <laughs> evening. But anyway, uh, a couple of us, you know, was uh, the, the one night during the week that the counselors had off. And we went over to uh, one of the local restaurants to have a, a bite to eat and, you know, Pepsi, you know, that sort of thing. Well, anyway, I get back to my house about 1130 p.m. And as I opened the door, I had thought that I was in the wrong house because all of my furniture had been moved around. The bedroom stuff was down in the living room. The kitchen stuff was up in the bathroom. I mean, it, it was an absolute. And to this day, I'm not sure who did it, but I think that Lee Raker might have had something to do it. But it was one of those situations that uh, Terry Holland's fingerprints were just all over that. Uh, I never did find out. It took me about a week before I got everything rearranged. But uh, that was, you know, Terry always kept things, uh, you know, at, at a very high level in terms of, uh, you know, wanting to be around him. He made things enjoyable, whether he was coaching, whether he was uh, out socially or otherwise. Uh, just a fantastic man that, uh, you know, was very unique in terms of uh, everything that he did. And Paige, I I think one time you shared this with me um, about Terry's being superstitious um, about you uh, one time get, trying to give yourself your own haircut and you, you kind of messed it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, we'll fast forward. Let somebody else talk and I'll, I'll talk <laughs> story a little bit later. All right. Uh, Drew Kennedy. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, how about you? Uh, I know uh, you don't go quite as far back as some of these other guys, but. Um, what, oh, I don't. What, it feels like it, though. <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories of uh, of Coach Holland? Um, well, for me, let, let's just say instead of sharing a favorite memory, I, I just I just kind of want to state what he meant to me as a young kid from Jamaica and someone unlike probably a lot of the guys who are going to be on the panel later on that 
came up through the American system of scouting and recruiting. I was I was relatively unknown, went to junior college. And so for me, when I think of Coach Holland, it's it's opportunity. And in those opportunities, just opening doors to me. And 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 in doing so, just you know, um, presented all these opportunities. I, I, I'm, I'm really not sure what I would do had he not um, offered me a scholarship. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so forever thankful. Growing up in Jamaica, one of the first, um, believe it or not, what, growing up dreaming um, of playing basketball, one of the first games I ever saw was the, the Ralph Sampson Patrick Ewing game only because Patrick Ewing was Jamaican and little did I know a few years afterwards I, after only starting to play a few years prior um, that I would end up at the University of Virginia and be offered a scholarship so opened so many doors um, gave me an opportunity to to play in one of the best conferences get a world-class education um, make lifelong friends uh incredible teammates coaches a community that that I'm still very very close to so the word opportunity and I'm, and and for that I'm so so thankful um for him oh absolutely it, uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of people uh are so thankful for those kind of opportunities as well and uh, and you were a junior college player, uh, Drew, and uh, back in those days, well, even today, Virginia hasn't really had a lot of JUCO. So, uh, yeah, how, how special was that? It was special, uh, very, very special. But um, also, I was I was a little naive coming in because I, I didn't understand really understand the scope of what I was walking into. But but true to 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 the type of person Coach Holland was. He was so calm and so welcoming, and he instilled so much confidence and belief in me from day one um, that it made my transition seamless. And, and he was someone who believed in me, um, not only um, on the floor, but off the court as well. And so, you know, the, uh, the many talks we had about being myself, having confidence and stepping into my strengths and, and, and the role that he had for me on the team were invaluable. And so it was truly, truly a unique experience and um, forever grateful for him to him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let, let, let's move on uh, for a moment and we'll come right. We'll come back to you, Drew. <laughs> You're going to hang around for a little while. Oh yeah. I'm going to hang around a little bit. And, uh, a little bit. Let's go to Wally Walker. Wonderful. Wally. Uh, was on uh, Coach Holland's uh, first team, I guess, and um, helped lead Virginia to its first ACC tournament championship and its only championship until 2014. And uh, Wally, uh, how incredible was that? Uh, I guess that was, what, Terry's second year as head coach? Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to go back to two things. One, his first year as head coach, 
when we weren't very good. But I want to go back to, to Eddie Haskell, Page. Thank you for invoking Eddie Haskell. <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking very lovely tonight, Mrs. Cleaver, I would, I would say. And that was Eddie Haskell. Uh, some of us remember, some of us don't. Uh, but uh, in Terry's first year, you had to change the culture. And uh, one of the ways we did that was keep running the same play over and over and over again in practice. And the coaches would yell at the same mistakes. And players would get hot with each other and frustrated. And we had one player who was a captain, uh, a well-known TV commentator. Let's call him Pins for the sake of, you know, argument. Well, he got frustrated and uh, decided to hurl a pass at one of the assistant coaches. Well, the, the assistant coach either didn't see it or pretended he didn't see it. And it missed him by a wide margin, which with Pins wasn't that surprising. And and couple was over inside, and I'm glad we're getting to Terry's sense of humor because he used used humor. He was funny anyway, but he used humor diffuse situations. And this one was really tense, and it was heating up. And he just said he he saw the pass and saw the miss, and says to the player, "This we'll call him pins. no player, no player, no player." Uh, and he said it quietly, and only a couple of us heard it. But he, he said to him, "And what do you think would have happened if you would actually hit him with that pass?" <laughs> right uh you know and then he would have had to do something but instead he did totally diffuse the situation we, we those of us who heard it chuckled in the the, the the bad passer uh which that was his only one all year uh, you know moved on and we went back to beating each other up running the same play over and over again that player by the way was invited to today's uh podcast but he's uh, traveling to uh announce a game somewhere uh tonight or to I don't know. He's, he said he's in planes and trains and automobiles all day. So I, I, I talked to him Tuesday night after the game, which he broadcast the Clemson game, and we we played that same story. Uh, so <laughs> there, yeah, that's maybe, one that, that, maybe that's why he didn't show up. He didn't want to tell <laughs> the story. <laughs> and Paige, yes, I was at that party. I didn't know your furniture got rearranged that night. After that party, I'm surprised you even knew it. <laughs> <laughs> well, my first. My first instinct was, this isn't my house. <laughs> uh, what about that that second season, Wally? Do, how remarkable was that for a guy in his second season from a program that was, you know, you guys were decent, but, um, you know, nobody imagined you guys winning the ACC tournament uh, in his second year as a head coach. Yeah, we, we were decent. We got better throughout the season. We had, we had basically a young team, except for Billy Langlow and myself. But what, what you know, Coach Holland did was give us confidence. He made us believe, even going back to the year before, that we could win an ACC championship, even though we had a losing record that year. I've told this story a lot. But he said after we lost in the first round of the ACC championship in 1975, next year we're going to come back here and we're going to win this thing. We're looking around the locker room like, what? What are you talking about? We, just, we finished the year with a losing record. We're out in the first round. But he planted the seed, and they gave us conference throughout that year that we, we could win it when no one else thought we could. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff, that's for sure. Jerry, Jerry can I interject a, a quick thought? And it's a, a little bit of a digression, but so you think about that team that won the ACC championship in 1976. That was the year after the NCAA tournament field expanded. Right. So had the tournament field not expanded, University of Virginia would have been the ACC representative to the NCAA tournament. Maryland, North Carolina, NC State, those teams would not have gone 
to the NCAA tournament, but for the fact that the tournament field had expanded two years prior to. Well, Maryland that year was ranked eighth in the country by virtue of us winning the tournament, uh, eliminated them because North Carolina uh, did go as one of the 32 teams that, that, that was invited. I'll tell one, one tournament story, which I don't think has gotten told very much, if at all. Uh, sure. We are playing Maryland, and the tournament's in Landover, so it's just a few miles from, from their campus. We're playing in the semifinals, and we're playing well, and we've got a lead at halftime. And the locker rooms were situated in a way in the old Capitol Center, so our locker room was bordering on Maryland's locker room. And we're going, we're sitting around. Terry's giving us the, the halftime adjustments like you always do and getting us ready for the second half. And all of a sudden, you could hear coming through the, the concrete walls screaming from the Maryland locker room. And Terry just holds up his hand because it was lefty yelling at his whole <laughs> coach and mentor yelling at the Maryland players like crazy. And Terry just goes, you know, impromptu says, I've been in that locker room. We're going to be fine. We're in good shape. You know, let's go get in the second half. You know, that was the end of the adjustment time. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's a great story. Uh, um I, maybe one of you guys can confirm this. I don't know. I, somebody, I think, told me that if Terry was trying to make a point at halftime in the locker room uh, where the team wasn't playing well or he felt like it needed to refocus or something, that he would have a manager to go in uh, before the half and put a crate of oranges in the middle of the room in a strategic place. And he, when everybody came in, Terry would walk in and uh, kick that crate of oranges all over the room. Is, that, <laughs> is there any truth to that? <laughs> Anybody know? Ricky Stokes, maybe you could answer that one. <laughs> I think you're muted, Ricky. I don't remember that. Oh, there you are. Okay. TGH, you remember that? Dan? I do not. Yeah. And maybe it was just a wives' tale of some kind. <laughs> I do not either, so... Welcome, Dan Merrifield. We see you there. Hey, Terry. How you doing, sir? Great. Good. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, Dan, you played on uh, that 1984 uh, NCAA Final Four team when the year after Ralph was gone. Um, a lot of people didn't give you guys much of a chance, certainly not of going to the Final Four, but of even having a successful season. How did Coach Holland uh, – navigate you guys through all that i know there was a lot of outside noise and and that sort of thing what how did how did terry uh, motivate you guys into having the campaign that you had i think uh, ricky contestants was a tale like tell of three seasons um we start off the season probably with 11 or 12 or no i think um we start off gangbusters then we hit the acc and then we kind probably were about 500 we had an ACC tournament against Wake Forest, and we got—I think we got blown out, like got crushed. We weren't quite sure we'd make the ACC NCAA tournament, and then the NCAA tournament came around, and we played Iowa team, and we barely beat by a point. Then all of a sudden, you know, Rick hits a big shot against Arkansas, and then we had a great game against um, Syracuse, and then obviously everyone knows about the Indiana game. It was a great run, but. You know what? A testament to Coach Holland. He's consistent the whole time. He I don't think he ever he never wavered. Either whether you're, you're going strong or you're having a bad time, he he adapted to every situation and, and kept the team on the right track. And he tried different things too. So he he, he knew how to coach, obviously. And, and I thought you know one of the best things about him, he's probably one of the best tactician coaches I ever played for. You know, he knew how to 
understanding teams on defense and how to attack. He didn't play every game the same, and he was really a mastermind in there. And all of our practices attested to that, too. So it was, um, it was you know, obviously he meant a lot to all of us, and it was pretty impressive playing for him. I was, you know, very fortunate to be part of his team. Do you have a favorite story about Terry, Dan? Um, a couple probably. I mean, there's many of them, but I think the, the biggest one was like uh, – not one of the biggest ones, but when we lost to Chaminade, <laughs> next day in the morning, he was unhappy, so he had his run at 6.30 in the morning, so that wasn't too good. <laughs> um, and he was running five miles the next morning at 6.30, and he was not happy, and he never brought it up again, but you know, he was not happy about that game at all. I don't think he ever really talked about it again, but – one of the things, a testament to him was, I think, when I G8, when I G8 for him for two years after I graduated in 1987, um, we lost to um, North Carolina in the semifinals of the ACC tournament, a double overtime game, which is, was a great game going back and forth. And just a testament to Coach Holland, how much he cared. And, and, and after the game, he was emotionally drained. Um, I never saw a man cry in my life. He was crying after the game. And his his mentor, uh, Lefty Jurgel, there was hugging him like I never. And something like kind of just stuck with me for my whole my whole life. I just remember that whole feeling about you know his care and his thoughtfulness. He cared so much about the team, the players, and and winning. And, and really a testament to him. So that's a couple of stories right there. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Welcome, uh, Terry Gates. Uh, we can't see you. We we can hear you though. Uh, Good thing. <laughs> <laughs> You were uh, one of the one of the Louisville gang. Um, I was the player to be named later in baseball <laughs> terminology. I think I showed up and people didn't know who I was. It is what it was. Tell us that story. How did you guys, all you guys from bluegrass country end up in Charlottesville? Well, I was a, a year in front of Jeff and Lee. And my senior year ended mid-January where I hurt my knee and had surgery about five or six weeks later. And that's a year after missing 10 games. And I hightailed to become a, a mad hatter at Stetson University in Deland, Florida. And then Jeff and Lee, Jeff was, I mean, Lee was, I think, preseason Mr. Basketball and Lamp flourished right at the end of that state tournament in they finished one, two in that category, which is unheard of two players on the two teammates finishing one, two in Mr. Basketball and lamp one out and just happened to be at the gym playing in the summer and met coach Holland and Richard Schmidt was planting a few seeds. And, you know, I met Terry and had a getaway from Stetson and yada, yada, yada. And, I got my 68 Nova and went over the mountains of West Virginia and showed up and lived with the football team for a year, which was a very different experience from a lot of the other guys. And I know Drew, uh, you know, he said he was a junior college uh, player. I guess I was a transfer or I was before my time in the portal world. But uh, <laughs> in many, most, most of those, you know, transferring back in those days was very difficult because I think you, you had a, you had to make it a, an impression quickly if you were going to catch on or they're going to, they're going to over recruit you, which I think they always try to do anyway. But, um, you know, it was a tremendous opportunity to go to university of Virginia and be reunited with Jeff and Lee and 
and uh, be challenged more ways than one, just not just on the basketball court, but in life. And, uh, you know, I can't thank Terry enough for giving me the opportunity. And um, it was fun. It was a different perspective from what I, you know, because I did not live, I never lived with a basketball player. And so it was a little bit different. And I wouldn't show up at some of the events they have. And, you know, you know, they would go, well, where were you? I said, well, where, what, where was I supposed to be? Because, you know, like, there wasn't cell phones and texts and all, you know, you could call my house, but, you know, no one's going to pick that phone up. So. <laughs> it was different, but I really appreciate, uh, you know, the opportunity and that's what it was. And, you know, showing up and having to guard, uh, start guarding Mike, uh, Mark Ivoroni for, uh, you know, half a practice and, and be elevated up to Steve Castellon. Uh, that was quite a rude awakening for the, uh, but it was a great preparation for the next three years to, to come. Um, you have a favorite Terry story? Well, you know, I had one that was, that was repeated and Paige will probably laugh at this, but I think I'd been there about two months and it, the season hadn't started. And this was a conversation that Donnie Salyer, who was my seventh and ninth grade coach at Ballard, relayed to me years after. And Coach Holland asked Richard Schmidt one day in the office, just remind me one more time why we signed Gates. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and, and Richard, well, he's a picker, he's a passer, he's a, you know, he's an eater, you know. So I'm sure, and Paige, Paige laughed at that, but I'm sure I tested that coaching staff more ways than one, but uh, – Gates, no, I, that, that was a question that was asked in many coaches' meetings over the course of uh, your three years, or was it? How many years was it? It seems to, like it was a lifetime. Well, it was. I was a grad, you know, as a grad assistant, sat out a year. I was, I was in Charlottesville five summers, no summer school, just, wow. just scraping by on my own, you know, finding food and whatever, <laughs> and uh, living in a fraternity house in the attic. I mean, it was a different way different lifestyle than it, than it was now. And, and uh, trying to gain weight and thank God for John Gamble and Bill Dunn that, that, you know, I really, I was always in the weight room, but they showed me a new way of doing it. And, uh, but, you know, Paige did laugh. I remember one time I had to tell this Paige story real quick. Uh -oh. We're at the Aberdeen barn and coach, I guess Terry never went to the pregame meals, did he? Not, at, not at home. Yeah. See, yep. and, and you you were doing it. Yep. And Coach Jones had a habit of not liking to eat food because it would come back up. And I was getting his other filet, and I'm getting another fruit cup. And you're <laughs> up there changing the plays even before the game. These coaches changed the plays in, in pregame without even going over them. They were always thinking. So I'm in there, and, and, and Paige looked at me and said, Gates, we got to play as I'm gathering excess food. We got to play in like two hours and 15 minutes. And I looked, everyone looked at me and said, well, coach, I don't play for two hours and 30 minutes. So I just kept on. And you just shook your head. And I said, you know, I just kept on eating. That's the, fact like I got, Gates. the fact I got in, uh, you know, that, that was all fun. And, and, you know, I enjoyed my teammates tremendously. And um, it was, you know, a lot of fun. And, like I said, those the coaches, they change things all the time. They're always thinking. And, you know, in the old days in high school, it's run play A, B, or C. Well, we're on, we're on G before the first game probably because they're thinking. And once Ralph showed up, that just got, you know, that, that got to the exponential power of trying to, you know, 
to isolate and improve and you know and 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 put the those players up front. <laughs> That's pretty pretty cool stuff. <laughs> uh, Ricky Stokes, uh, part of the uh, Lightning uh, backcourt. At, at one point, you and Othell Wilson. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got to Charlottesville and, and how Terry, uh, I guess uh, Terry already had Bobby in the fold and uh, he must have liked what he saw in the family, huh? Well, with that, he couldn't find any other guards. I think we were just kind of a flyer, so two flyers. So, but I must, I, I got a chuckle uh, hearing Wally. Uh, saying that Coach Holland said after they lost the first year, they would be back. I think Dan would attest when when we lost with Ralph out in uh, Albuquerque, Coach Holland did not tell us we would be back <laughs> in deep in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> As Dan said, I think that was the only year, my senior year, Dan's junior year, where we didn't even meet to see if we were getting in the NCAA tournament. Because uh, yeah. we thought we were going on spring break. We had such a big pressure because uh, we were 500 to go uh, to beat Wake Forest in the uh, first round of the ACC tournament, and we lost. And so we didn't even get together. I mean, coaches or team is like, spring break, here we come. And uh, <laughs> we're all packed to go on spring break, and we get a call to say, hey, uh, we got to practice. So I, and we were kind of happy or disappointed because we had never – had uh, a spring break with Ralph. So, and uh, we all figured if we're going to go, we might as well try to play and win a game. So, and the rest is history. So, um, <laughs> I'd just like to, you know, thank Coach Holland, I mean, for taking a chance on my brother. And uh, and my brother will be on later and he'll tell the story. My brother was supposed to go somewhere else. I think it was with uh, Eddie Webb, if those who, uh, Coach Webb, not Eddie Webb, Paul Webb. Oh, um, son. He was supposed to go to Old Dominion, and uh, my brother was the leading scorer in the state. Uh, he never passed. Go figure, he comes to Virginia, never shoots. But um, uh, Coach Webbs, instead of signing him on a Friday, said he would sign him on, come back on Sunday or Monday and sign him. And then uh, Virginia somehow, my brother tells the story, someone didn't get in. They had ended up having an extra scholarship. And he gets a call from Coach Holland, going to offer him a scholarship on like Saturday. And uh, my dad said, "Okay, this is where this is where you're going." And uh, he ended up signing. Uh, they came down. He signed, or he went up. I'm not sure. He'll tell you how he signed. Uh, and you know, uh, Paul Webb comes back on Sunday or Monday, not thinking anybody's going to sign this little guard from King William, Virginia. Uh, and lo and behold, he had already signed in Virginia, but. Uh, I give Coach Holland a lot of credit for understanding, first of all, playing defense. I think anybody on in here, if you didn't play defense, you didn't play. Uh, many of the better offensive players have come through this program, um, but you you had to play defense to get on the floor. And uh, I'll never forget, you have to, you know, you had to guard your man. I mean, it was uh, my butt got kicked many a time. You had to learn to stop somebody. And that was at the forefront. And uh, you had to learn some toughness. And uh, I think those traits teach you uh, a lot in life. And I'm forever uh, indebted to uh, some of the life lessons and the brotherships and the friendship. But he also understood roles. And we all understood our roles to the bigger part that we each played. Um, 
And uh, Dan and I were Lifer Blue Team, and that's what is a sub. So, uh, but we understood our roles as well. Uh, and T Gates uh, as well, I guess, is a blue 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 teamer. Uh, so, uh, but but I am forever grateful for the opportunity. My dad's grateful for not having a scholarship, but uh, for the lifelong friendships. Um, I can just talk about playing softball uh, with the coaches, uh, running preseason. Uh, and and I kind of forgotten uh, running that hill in Chaminade, but even those life lessons of always being prepared to uh, play a game. So, though I didn't think Ralph had to run. I think he got sick. <laughs> now that I remember, he was always uh, yeah, Ralph was before. sick when we went to uh, Tokyo, and he played in the game. And I think he got sick that morning. We had to run the mountain. So, we'll have to find out from Ralph when he comes over here. But I'm not quite sure the big fella had to run that big mountain. So. <laughs> I, I thought that was a joke at first, uh, but then the manager uh, said, no, that's not a joke. Uh, you have 10 minutes to come down with your shoes. <laughs> it was not a punishment run, though. You did say that. So, so Jerry, if I could jump in. Uh, yeah, please do. Because as everybody's talked, all these different memories come back. Uh, the, Drew mentioned opportunity, and certainly I was the beneficiary of an opportunity on two occasions because he hired me twice uh, to, to be on his staff here at the University of Virginia. But also, I think that Terry was somebody that uh, truly trusted his players. And unlike uh, some programs, particularly at that time, where the players were protected from the media, protected from uh, you know, uh, alums and you know, people in the community and so forth, Terry's approach is always about developing uh, the guys on the team so that they would be prepared once they left the University of Virginia to be a success in whatever endeavor it was that they chose. And I think that, you know, the guys on the call are, are, are an example of that. And uh, the ones that may join in the future uh, will also attest to that. I mean, it, it was always something that uh, the, the players were enabled uh, to be able to go out and do things. And, you know, even uh, uh, during the seasons, if it was something that uh, a player had to do academically, uh, that was going to take a priority. Um, and uh, I, I give Terry the, uh, the the biggest compliments in terms of his building uh, of teams, understanding uh, personalities, and as uh, some of the guys have already said, making sure that people were put in the best position to be successful, not only successful from an indiv individual standpoint, to be successful as well in terms of how they contributed uh, to the team. Now you asked about the, the, the haircut story. I'll, I'll, I'll tell this. It'll take me one minute to tell the story. Oh yeah. Uh, this is the 1990 season. Yeah. I'm uh, back with the uh, program as an assistant coach and we're getting ready to play a game uh, at NC state on a Sunday afternoon. And I had packed my bags at home. I'm rushing out the, uh, to, you know, to be on time for practice, which you're going to have a 2 p.m. practice on that Saturday afternoon. I looked in the mirror and said, boy, I got to cut my hair. So I had my hair clippers and I'm rushing because I know I got to be on time for practice. And as I'm cutting my hair, I get to the back, the clippers slip. And I look at it in the mirror and there's this big gash in the back of my head. So, oh my gosh. So I try to cut around it and make it look presentable and so forth. I had no idea what it looked like. So anyway, go to practice and the guys on the team are just busting my chops about this gash that's in the back of my head. 
and I go back again in the locker room now and I look at it, it, it I had to admit, look pretty bad. So anyway, we play down at NC State the next day. We went on a buzzer shot. I can't remember all the circumstances and everything. But again, due to Terry's superstitious nature, I had to, for the remainder of the season, gash, put the gash in the back of my head for every game. And every single game, and that was the year that we went to the Elite Eight and lost to, uh, we lost to Michigan. Every game I had that gash. And so uh, a buddy of mine up in Philly said, you know, well, I, Paige, I saw the game you guys played Oklahoma. He says, what was that in the back of your head? <laughs> I said, you got to understand, that was the gash. But every game, and it had to have been like about 12 games. Every, every pregame, I would put that gash in because we were superstitious. <laughs> Wally, does that superstitious uh, nature go back to your days? Yeah, he, he wore the same outfit uh, multiple – well, we, ACC tournament, three straight nights, he got the same outfit on. Uh, whew, yeah, it was, it was warm in the gym. <laughs> I, I have a story. I hope it's not about me, but it's, it goes kind of the mentor relationship and over the years. Because in 97, he's, he's director of athletics, and I get named the board of visitors. And so I'm a board of – maybe ostensibly even, even his boss – but I fly in from the West Coast. I'm living in Seattle. I fly in from the West Coast for one of my, my first meetings. Stand at the Boar's Head Inn. And I put in for my early morning wake-up when we used to have those. Uh, well, they forgot. So my might have been my first meeting as a member of the Board of Visitors. And my phone rings in, in my hotel room. It's, it is the AD, uh, Terry Holland, saying, hey, man, you know, <laughs> here's a meeting this morning. Where are you? Oh, my God. Well, I'm sure he was thinking, never said this, because, of course, he, he was a gentleman. That's been stated often. He's like, like, really? The guy's on the board of visitors. He's in his 40s, and I'm still calling him in the morning to get him out of bed. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I could see him saying that. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, man, uh uh, Dan, uh, that that team that you played on, uh, it, it sort of carved out a reputation for being a, a pretty tough basketball team. Uh, was that something you guys took a lot of pride in? And, and I'm sure Terry uh, preached that in practice. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that's the way I played. I think I mean, my high school coach kind of taught that a lot. I mean, Coach Page can attest to that. And Coach Beaton, who uh, who coached with Coach Page many years, brought that style and. And like Ricky said, like once you once you get on a team, you get to figure out you know how 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 you how you how you're gonna get on the court. And I quickly you know I quickly found out you know what your talent is, and you compare it to the competition, and you get to figure out how you do to get there. And I you know I, I know how to play defense, and like Ricky said, if you play defense with Coach Holland, you get some time, and that's what I concentrated on, and it worked for me. Absolutely, and. Uh... Gates, uh, I, I know uh, as a sports writer, uh, during uh, part of the Ralph era, uh, you your scholarship might have run out, but you were still in the locker room. I, you were Ralph's bodyguard. You keep keep guys like me away from Ralph and in, in the post games. What was that like? And, and was that Terry's idea, or some, or where did that come from? Well, you know, we share we. 
in, in our little JV locker room prior to, I don't know if, if, if Dan and Ricky got to the new, the new locker room, but we were in this small little locker room that had like junior high school lockers and, and Ralph and I had lockers together. We were separated by one locker that had about 20 pairs of size 17 shoes in it, which I used to take from the bottom and give those out as Christmas gifts to people. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my roommate lost the rear view mirror on his like two fat, you know, I like him on his 1970 Toyota because it was, they weighed too much, but now, you know, when he showed up, that, 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 that took the pressure off me because I, I was looking at playing potentially at being center, which that wouldn't, that's not a pretty picture in, in any, in any way, shape or form. But, uh, you know, when he showed up here at 195 pounds, I realized this, you know, some good things can really come out of all this. And, and it was, uh, it was fun to, uh, to be, to play, to play Whitman practice and alongside of him. And, and, um, you know, a lot of times when I saw teams warming up and someone would trot out at six, nine, two forty-five or 50, I knew that, uh, I was going to get some playing time that evening. But yeah. I will tell you, I'll tell you one story. And, and, and Dan and Ricky, we want, we beat Chaminade, I think, in, in 19, maybe 79. But we had to fly to, I guess maybe it might have been uh, Santa Clara, California in the Cable Car Classic. And we, we won the, we lost that, that first game and we ended up playing Army. And they were pushing Ralph around a lot. The coaches weren't happy with the practice before the, well, it might have been San, San Jose State or something. And so now we're in the second game, and it's getting physical out there. And, you know, 12-minute mark, I don't go in. The eight-minute mark, and all of a sudden, Terry asked me to go in like a minute and 47 seconds. <laughs> and immediately some guy plants an elbow on my chest. And then that – I didn't set well with me because I was a little bit ticked off about not playing. And – Almost got in a fight. I think they took a swing at me. And the only person who stepped forward was Raker and Doug Newberg off the bench. Everyone else kind of stepped aside. And every one of those five starters for Army was in my face. So at halftime, Terry grabs me and says, what were you doing? What were you thinking? And, and I said, what are you talking about? And he said, they could have kicked you out of the game. You, you might have missed the second half. I said, Coach, I play, only played a minute 47 seconds. I don't know if that was, you know. If that was good or bad, but he just shook his head and walked on. And as Paige will probably attest, there was probably many conversations they had about yours truly. I can attest to that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricky, what was it like uh, playing with your brother for Terry? That, that, that's special. Not many people get to do that. You know what is really uh, special seeing Wally. You know, I was I came up to the ACC tournament in 1976. Uh, I can attest. I didn't think they were going to win. I only brought one change of clothes, uh, Jerry. So we had to go out shopping. Uh, I'm sure it was at Sears at that time. <laughs> and uh, I said, "Okay, let's buy another set." And lo and behold, they played another game. So it's really. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, the exciting, you know, being in high school, being in ninth grade, get, having an opportunity uh, to see Wally and Billy Langlo and uh, for having my brother have an opportunity to play. So, uh, by the way, we would not have won that tournament without, without your brother. Yeah. I, 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 I stated enough. 
Hey, Wally, he tells me every day, trust me. Okay, he does you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it this time. It's one. <laughs> Ironically, we never won the ACC tournament, so he yeah. never lets me forget it. So uh, many things that we regret, you know, guys in our team regret uh, not winning the ACC tournament. So, uh, and also not winning a national tournament. So uh, it was nice for you guys and uh, the guys behind us to, to win both, but uh uh, Jerry, it was uh, really nice. Um, uh, set a great example. Um, got lucky, have the opportunity to come and play, and uh, one thing led to another. You know, I, I tell people one of the reasons I got to play is playing with great players, Ralph and Jeff Lamp. I mean, two of the guys, uh, they made everybody else's job so much easier, um, along with the other great players, Lee Raker and Othell Wilson and Jimmy will get mad if you don't mention his name. <laughs> but it was just a great time. Great guys, friendships. Um, um, we all had an opportunity uh, to see uh, sadness, to see uh, also, I'm going to mention, Ken Needland's passing. So yes. um, we were just uh, up in Alexandria for his memorial. So I know this is a memorial for Coach Holland, but I'd be remiss if I didn't also mentioned the passing of Ken Eland as well. Uh -huh. Absolutely. A big part of Virginia basketball as well. So so Jeff Klein in there too. It's it's yes. And Jeff Klein who was on makes you stop and program. think. Yeah. Jeff Klein. You're absolutely right, T Gates. And I, I was one of the lucky guys that got to play with both of the Stokes brothers. Who's Dr. better? Robert. Who's better? Well, Rich, certainly it's Ricky. You, you know, it's you can tell him I said that. I, <laughs> I like you. I, I, I don't think I ever threw the ball in. I don't think you ever posted anyone up. Every now and then, I I would throw. I did tell Bobby, no one's guarding you when you cross the lane. Nobody. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you the ball. I didn't practice, and the coaches just would scream at me. In the game, I would throw it to Bobby, turn around, and shoot a layup, and we'd run down the court because he knew it was coming. No one's guarding him, and I I, I just blocked my right ear as I was running down the court so I wouldn't hear from the coaches, but anyway. <laughs> Coach Holland got fiery now. He's, he's, I mean, I think guys will attest, he, he would get after us. <laughs> I was, I was going to throw that out there. Uh, everybody knows that Terry was the ultimate Virginia gentleman, but he had a temper. <laughs> he, could, he could unleash on some people. Uh, anybody got any stories about the uh, about that? I'll, I'll tell one story. Uh, one of the things as an assistant coach for any head coach that you don't do is you don't get a technical foul. And uh, Terry, as you mentioned, was fiery when uh, when the occasions arose. He would, he would jump out and challenge the officials or he would challenge the players and so forth. But anyway, we're playing a game late in the year against the University of Maryland. I want to say, Gates, you might have been on the team because uh, my recollection was Ernest Graham was on that Maryland team. Right. So anyway, it's I want to say it was the last game of the season, and we're just taking control of the game with about eight minutes left in the game, and we are running an offense called the baseline shuffle, which basically five guys are moving back screens, down screens, and you know, all five guys are getting involved. And we had this one possession coming out of a timeout. Terry said, let's really make them work on defense. So we were running this for about a minute. And you could tell that 
Ernest Graham was getting irritated having to guard uh, Terry, uh, having guard Raker. And every time Raker would come off of a little shuffle cut, I would be sitting there and I would be screaming at the officials, call the foul, call the foul, call the foul. So again, the offense continues, call the foul, call the foul. The official turns around, blows the whistle and says, boom, like that. And I, I, I thought I was going to be fired on the spot. As it turned out, Maryland missed the free throw. They didn't score on that possession. We end up winning the game. And I'm, I, I have no idea what I'm going to say to Terry or what he's going to say to me when we get to the locker room. Well, Terry stays out on the court to do the interviews. He has a couple of players. I go to the locker room, but I don't go inside yet because I want to make sure I can talk to Terry beforehand. So Gene Carter, the AD at the time, and I are standing there. And uh, I was getting ready to say something to Gene because I knew that he would have an opinion about it. And Gene says something to the effect, Paige, I just can't believe that those officials called that technical foul on me, meaning Gene. And I'm thinking to myself, well, Gene was sitting right behind the bench. He says, yeah, I really was giving them hell. I said, Gene, I can't believe that they called that technical foul on you either. <laughs> so now Terry comes, and as he's getting ready to go in the locker room, I, I mentioned it said, Terry, I, I, I just can't believe that Gene got that technical foul like that. He said, Gene got the technical? Oh, you know, yeah, do you talk to him? Ask him about it. So Gene, Gene Cargan was confessing to a technical foul that I thought that I got. But uh, I, I'm sure that Terry would have had something to, to, to say to me about keeping my big mouth shut. But uh, it was one of those things that uh, I'll never forget uh, Gene confessing to the technical foul that Craig Littlepage probably got. If I could add a referee story, and by the way, Terry, we're, we're saying it in different ways, but he was intensely competitive. Gentleman, yes, funny, yes, but intensely competitive. So it was my senior year. I'm the captain of the team, and we, a great official, which some of you maybe all be remembering, John Moreau. I think he was even from Richmond. Richmond, Moreau, really, yes. really, really, really good official and, and nice man, and always fair. And Terry was up about running around. He got out of the coaching box, and John Moreau came up to me and said, "Would you go?" in the coaching box. I don't want to give him a technical. I said it in a very nice way. So I walk over to Terry. John Moreau's watching me, and I relay the message, you know, just in, in that manner. And Terry's response was, go tell John. He can go expletive deleted uh, himself. <laughs> uh, so now i got to turn around and walk back. And I know he's watching the conversation. All I'm thinking is, can he read lips? Can John Moreau read lips? Because everyone may be out. So I got to go back and say, oh, he got your message. Thank you, you know, Mr. Murrow. That was, you know, he understands. <laughs> uh, you guys span the uh, generations of Virginia basketball, obviously. And uh, when I first came to Charlottesville, um, I, uh, one of the things that Terry wanted to make plain to me is a kind of a, I wasn't exactly a rookie sports writer, but I guess sort of I was. And uh, I can't remember what prompted the uh, conversation, but uh, I was in his office one day and he, he looked at me and he pointed and he got, like you said, uh, a little intense. He says, one thing you need to understand if you're going to be in Charlottesville is that North Carolina is our enemy and we are in a war with North Carolina, and that is never going to change. Well, talk about anybody got any stories about Terry and North Carolina, Terry and Dean Smith? 
Jerry, I, I've got just Terry Gates. I've got one, and, and it, 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 it's about officials, and it's about his competitive spirit. If if I wasn't starting the best seat on the bench, away game would have been with Sue Halstead, who's a trainer, or right. Joe Geek. So since we're playing Carolina at home, it's Joe Geek. And I would always go in and get my knees, ice, and cold, all that stuff. You know, I was in the locker room for probably more time than I was shooting before a game. And, and so are the officials. And, and Joe was training, you know, he's taping their ankles. They come back in, get it retaped. So he knows the officials, Joe Geek, on a, on a you know, first-name basis. So we worked all week on a matchup zone. And we had a really good team, but we're, going, we we're changing it. We, you know, these coaches are always changing stuff. So we're a matchup zone. And as soon as one call that Joe Geek doesn't like, he just lets into this official. He's probably spent a half hour on in the, in the training room. Well, we're down 14 to two in this matchup zone. Then Joe Geek tells this official to get the blank out of their eyes. And you've all probably heard, heard this story before. I just started laughing at the wrong time when Holland was steaming down, telling Gates go in and he sees me laughing and we're down 14 to two. I, I'd never seen that look before. And I jumped up and went to the scores table, not knowing who in the hell I was going in for. But I knew I needed to get away from him. And, and, and uh, it was, you know, that's the way it was. And Carolina was certainly was the uh, a point of emphasis over the years, to say, to say the least. Yeah, that, that, that's some of my greatest memories of some of the Virginia – North Carolina battles for sure. Let's welcome in now uh, Dr. Bobby Stokes, one of the Stokes brothers. How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing good. Doing good. Only need one Stokes. So I'm leaving. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna pass the ball to him. So thanks hey. again. Can you put some powder on the top of that thing? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for letting me share some stories. Yeah, you get a chance to. Uh, rag on Ricky a little bit since he was ragging on you and telling all kinds of stuff. So now you can, you can get your revenge, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, he, he was talking about how uh, Terry Holland came to sign you. Uh, you were the leading scorer in the state of Virginia and, and uh, apparently headed to old dominion. Right. And here comes Terry Holland. How, how did that happen? Well, actually, I was headed to uh, Randolph-Macon. Randolph-Macon, wow. Yeah, with, with Coach Webb, um, who I had gone to to uh, camp with many summers. And it was close to King William. And so, actually, I had told him that I was going to um, sign with um, with Randolph-Macon. And then the, later on that week, and then Coach Holland called and invited me – well, the office called and invited me up to – Charlottesville. So I called Coach Webb and I said um, that they had given me given me a call. They want me to come up here for a weekend. And he said, by all means, go. And I said, well, I'll be back on Monday and I'll come sign the papers in the in next week. And so I came to Charlottesville for that weekend. And it was, uh, I guess, Mr. Ohio or somebody for uh, guard from Ohio and myself. They brought us in for the same weekend. Um, I never saw him, but one time, and um, then that that afternoon, the Sunday afternoon, I go back into the office, and we're sitting there talking. And Coach Holland said that he had one scholarship left. Actually, he told me that when we first came in that weekend, and then at the end, he says, "You know, we got one scholarship left." And 
I said, well, might as well. I was thinking I might as well pack my bags and go at home. Um, and then he looked at me and he said, we'd like you to be a, a Cavalier. And I'd say, um, I thought about it for a while and didn't know what to say, kind of fabriclassed it. And my dad actually spoke up for me and said, yeah, you're going to go. And, <laughs> and so I said, but I'd already given my word to Coach uh, Webb. And he said, nope, you're going to go here. So I came back, told Coach Holland I'd be honored to play. And he said, I couldn't promise you anything. You work hard. You, you, you can play. We got a lot of guards already. And that was my whole thing is they got uh, looking around and they had Billy Langlow and you had Tommy Briscoe, who was right before me, and you had David Kester. So they had a full contingent of guards. And then they had the wonderful Wally, so, uh, who wasn't a guard, but he was Mr. Everything. And so I told him, yes, I'll come. And my dad said, you know, you'll never know how good you'll be unless you play against some better people. And and so I said I'd come. And I had to, going home, I was thinking how in the world I'm going to tell Coach Webb and so I said, well, I'll give him a call tomorrow and tell him, I'll tell him later on that night. Well, by the time I got home, which was probably seven o'clock, six o'clock, I signed the, told Coach Holland I was going to play for him at four, got in the car, got home at six, and was on the six o'clock news. And Coach Webb actually saw it at the six o'clock news. <laughs> so he called me and uh, he congratulated me and, and it all worked out because actually Coach Webb, told me he was getting ready to go to ODU anyway. And he wanted me to go think about going to ODU instead of um, Randolph-Macon, but he told me that I made a wise decision. I'd say you did. It was, yeah. Uh... yeah, it all worked out. I mean, the, the only thing was, yeah, he never promised that you that I'd play. Um, he just said, you know, everybody's going to have a, a, a good playing field. And if you, the best man's going to play, and so, you know, I was blessed enough to play my first year. Um, you know, I was the first guard off the bench, so I guess I impressed him a little bit. Actually, he never saw me play until uh, the All-Star game uh, in Virginia. He actually sent Jim Hobgood to see me. Um, wow. And Jim Hobgood, I guess, was a little bit impressed and kept after him, along with my high school basketball coach and my principal, and, and the assistant principal all kept calling the basketball office and telling them to that I should I wanted to come to UVA, which I didn't know. Um, but they kept after him until he sent Jim Hobgood down there. And then Jim saw me and then Jim kept pushing for me and the rest was history. Terry was a, a pretty good recruiter. Uh, I mean, gosh, you know, I look at all the talent he hauled in over his almost almost 20 year career, but uh Oh, man, he found guys all over the place. Uh, Drew, you still there? I don't know if Drew's still there. Drew Kennedy, you still there? I don't, he must have gone. Uh, I was going to ask him how he how he found how, how he found Drew at a, a junior college, but uh, uh, Wally was on a little bit uh, ago. Uh, Bobby and he we were talking about the '76 tournament and. He said, uh, well, we wouldn't have won that tournament without Bobby Stokes. Uh, what, what was it like uh, being part of that team? Um, it was very unreal. Um, you know, I, I came from King William. We had 500 kids in grades 8 through 12. So you can imagine what that was like going into an atmosphere of um, 
of the cap center um, playing basketball in that big arena. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, I was just, I don't know, I guess Coach Holland um, built the team so that we kind of peaked at the right time. And, um, you know, we never looked ahead on who we were going to play. It was just one game at a time. And, you know, I was just concentrating on the the players that I had, the team I had to play with that against that night. Um, and that's the way we took it. That's the way we approached it. it was, he used to say 20 minutes of basketball, two halves, 40 minutes of basketball, and then we move on to the next one. And, and so, you know, we never looked ahead. We always looked at the game that we were playing. And, uh, you, you know, it was, it was, we just did what we had to do. Um, and I think toward the end of the season, we were actually playing the best basketball of any of the, any of the teams. And we felt like we could, could, uh, could beat them. And of course, Wally came in and did his thing. Um, but uh, the rest of us played nice roles and, and we were able to, to come off with three great wins. Do you do you have a uh, any favorite Terry stories from your time with him or or even afterward? Um, any great stories? I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily have any stories except, you know, he he was a he was just kind of a uh, I would say he's kind of a gentleman, um, a gentle giant, so to speak. He had his parts where he was. Um, pretty strict and pretty, um, but but he treated us as guys. He treated us, he gave us a lot of responsibility. He allowed us to grow. And he also uh, banded us together as a band of brothers. I mean, we, it, was, it was, I think that's one of the good things or, or the things that I can attribute to him. It's, it's not one thing that he did that I can have a story, but he kind of built relationships and built a team and built some, a family. And it was just basically on and off the court. Um, uh, and he, and I, I can say that because, you know, the guys that I came in with, I do feel like uh, we're all brothers and we can call them at any time. And, it, and it, so it was, it was much more than basketball. So. You guys still keep up with one another, don't you? Yeah, quite often. Yeah. It's a whole lot easier now that with the zooming and, and also, you know, I live here in Charlottesville, so I get to see quite a many people. But, but we do. We 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 get together quite often, and and we talk quite often, and and, and uh, you know, we keep we keep in contact with each other, know about each other's family, and I think we're close, a, a fairly close knit group. Um, you know, much more so than than I think some other other teams were. Yeah. When Bobby, when you came to. UVA was it your intent to to be a doctor or did it was that something that well I, that that was something I really had in the back of mind I wanted to do I wanted to do family practice and um um if if all if the dear lord blessed me enough to do that um and I do much I much say that coach Holland actually uh engineered a lot of that I mean he he knew that was an interest of mine. So when I came up here and got recruited, he got me, he let me meet some people or got me in, in touch with people that were doctors or professors who could help navigate me to get to, to the goal. And all while I was in school, um, you know, he took an interest and in, in, in tried to make sure that I was, if that was my goal, uh, that I could help achieve it. So 
I met great people on my recruiting trip that that helped me along all through undergrad to help me get into med school. And then after I finished undergrad, he let me be a, a graduate assistant so I could take some more classes so that I could eventually get into med school. Um, so yeah, it was a dream of mine. And, and you know, I didn't know exactly, exact, you know, when you're 18, you don't know what you want to do, but it was a dream that I, I had wanted to do. And he, he actually was very instrumental in helping me do that. Chris, you look like you won't want to ask a question. I'm unmuting myself now. Yeah, I've, I've just been listening <laughs> with great interest to all all these great memories of of from everyone and and um, Bobby. I would ask, uh, what kind of influence would you say uh, that Coach Holland left with you that that lives with you, you know, to this day? I think the thing that he kind of helped helped do is uh, he had a kind of a steady hand. Um, you know, he had a, a a vision and a goal, and I think he probably influenced me to the point where, of, uh, you know, a, there's a lot of different ways to achieve the goal, um, but you got to set your goal, you got to build to it, and you got to be humble along the way, um, um, be genuine, um, be thoughtful. Uh, it, it was just a conglomeration of things that I think he helped me help helped along the way. Um, I think he did did think outside the box some. I mean, I didn't do the traditional uh, way of going to med school. I, I wasn't a biochemistry major. I wasn't a science major. Actually, I was a phys ed major, um, which uh, you know helped me along the way. Um, and then I just took extra classes that I needed to get into med school. So, you know, I think, um, you know, he, he, he instilled that you don't give up on your dreams. You work hard for your dreams and there's ways to do things, not trying to skirt around things, but there are other ways that you can do things to, to get to your goal. And you just got to keep at it and keep going. And you may trip and fall, but it's a long haul if you really want something. Hey, Jerry. Yeah. It's Jerry Gates. I, if I could follow up on what, what uh, the, the second doctor Stokes said, but when he said when he was in Holland's office and they offered him a scholarship and the real Dr. Stokes said, son, I think you're probably taking this. Um, my, my dad, when I told him that I was thinking about transferring to UVA, he said, well, I got some friends that went there. And he checked into it. They really loved it. And he says, you know, are you serious about this? I said, I don't know. I had a pretty good, I had a really good time at Stetson. But he said, son, you know, I've got four or five friends that went there. They really enjoyed it. They, you know, it's a really good academic school. I think you should go there. And they, are they offering you a scholarship? I said, oh, I think so. He said, well, even if they don't, if you can get in, they just feed you for the next three or four years. That'd be good enough. Because he was... He was that, um, you know, gung-ho about UVA and the academic institution. And I will say one thing, Coach Holland made our families feel very, very comfortable and appreciative when they were in town for the games. And, and my, dad had, my dad had a ball, and he was the eatingest most, I shouldn't say this, drinkingest most man I ever knew. That's saying something. He had a really good time. But the fact that he encouraged uh, Bobby to go to med school, uh, Mike Owens, 
I had a professor in the commerce school, a management professor who was at UCLA before he transferred in. And he said, I can't believe you're even in the commerce school. He said, when you go to UCLA, they give you your schedule. You're not picking. You're taking 12 hours. You're going five years. And nothing is going to get in the way of your practice and your sleep and everything else. So the very fact that, that Terry and uh, Holland embrace the academic uh, attributes of UVA, encourage us to you know, participate in all that, says a lot where I bet you there are other schools that were just trying to keep their kids eligible and, and make it the easiest, take the easiest path. And I don't, I don't think any of us took the easiest path while we were up in Charlottesville. No, we, we actually couldn't because they kept kept making sure our grades were, you know. Oh. <laughs> and the progress to graduation and all yeah. that. And then I was like, uh, every semester he got the grades. And um, yeah, even before we got the grades, he got them. And so he was actually on top of things more so than than we thought. Um, and that was, you know, that would, I'm sure was a recruiting disadvantage for you know, half the players out there, but he wasn't recruiting that half most of the time. He was looking for kids that really wanted to be at UVA and had a reason to be there. But then, and, you know, of course, his family, you know, Ann and the girls, it's, you know, it was it was just a very nice, it was just, you know, like I said, a great opportunity that was afforded, afforded me and a lot of us. So yeah. very much appreciative. Yeah, no question. Uh, he valued academics. No, there's no question about that. Um, I want to run this by out. There's not many guys left on the panel, but some guys had to go. But uh, uh, Al McGuire once told me that he had never seen any uh, basketball team substitute offensive, defensive uh, the way that Terry Holland did. He's until he saw Terry Holland and Virginia do it. Do, do we know if Terry invented that or? Uh, I think he. I think he just used the talent that he had. You know, he looked down the bench, and 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 I think, and I don't think if he invented it. He just kind of, you know, when I when we played, had four corners against Carolina. So I guess he looked down the bench and go, who in the world could, could could stay with them? So yes, he pointed at these guys. You getting out there on the floor, um, and I don't know. I, yeah, and then he had some guys who were, you know, everybody had a role with Coach Holland. You know, I think he developed players and developed roles and. And he he just kind of used you the way uh, benefited the basketball team. Yeah, there's no question. He really knew how to handle his personnel. There's no question about it. Yeah. Uh, what was it like playing with your brother, uh, Bobby? And how much influence did you have on that? Well, we didn't play together. I mean, you talking about in college? Yeah, I I thought you played one. No, year. no, I I no. was a I was a I actually. Um, I graduated in 79 and he came in 81. Okay. He came so he in. came. Yeah. So no, we didn't, we didn't play together. I got to play with both of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You did. Yeah. 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 And so we were just different players and, and Ricky was licensed fast and, and, uh, and he also has had Ralph and Gates and all of them. Unfortunately, I was a little fast too, but I didn't have a lot of guys who could run with me. So, a lot of times I was down there by myself. So what do you could do? <laughs> <laughs> I could pass the ball to Wally though. That's what I could do. <laughs> and Jeff Lamp in the end. So, but anyway, I got to run to a, 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 a meeting. So 
Oh, that's okay. Thank you, Bobby. We Y'all take care. It was nice talking to you. Nice seeing you. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. Okay. Uh, Gates, you still there? I'm here. Kennedy, you still there? His name keeps popping up, but I don't. He must have. He must have left. Well, you you mentioned about defense to offense and all that. I can tell you. I tell you one story. I, I finished more games than I started, but. If you remember the 80, I guess January of 80 when we won the first time at Carolina. If you, Jerry, were you, yep. when, you were that game and we were down at halftime. We got maybe, I don't know, maybe 9, 11, and it got to 17 points. I got in a little bit then. And once it got to 17, I knew I was coming out. This is a nine o'clock game. We were so far behind, I unlaced my shoes. And it and it and Lamp goes on a tear. We Ralph goes on a tear, and we end up tying that thing and going to overtime, and then double overtime. And then Ralph fouls out. So I had to, with about a minute and a half to go, I had to retie my shoes, <laughs> get ready, only to shoot a free throw at the end because I knew that far behind that it was not going to be uh, it was going to be Othell and Ricky and those guys trying to catch up versus me plodding along, but it. He did, he did have roles for each one of us, and this is pre-shot clock, different game. But um, they, they thought – I'd never seen coaches change so many things, but they were always trying to tweak things to get us to – and he always thought, you know, we were intelligent enough to, to, to implement their changes on a weekly basis. Yeah, I don't know if Terry was ever given credit for being uh, the strategist that he was. No, it was um, – if you would saw, and I, I, I wish Coach Page was here because the huddles, you know, during during these timeouts, you would have Richard Schmidt marking, you'd have Coach Page, and you'd have Holland. And then when Larry Negatberg re, replaced Richard Schmidt, they're all telling you stuff on that whiteboard. They would draw up. It would be the third play they would they would draw up that we'd run. And I'd always go to Coach Jones says, look, I just passed the ball to you, set a pick for Lamp, set a pick for Ralph, get out of the way. And that's, that's what the plays were. But he let his assistant coaches coach. And you don't see that much anymore. Most of them stay in the background. They may, pay, they may take a player out individually and talk to him. But when in the huddle, it's just one voice. And he allowed, you know, Dave Oldham, Jim Laranega, Coach Page, Richard Schmidt, he allowed them to voice – to voice, you know, to voice their opinions and contribution. You just didn't see that from other coaches. One thing I appreciated about Terry too, and I'm sure it helped his assistant coaches. Uh, I mean, Terry would have his press conference after, after games were over and uh, he would usually head to the locker room, but he would send out his assistants. And if we wanted to talk to, uh, Larinaga or Dave Odom or Jeff Jones or Tom Perrin. Uh, we we were allowed to talk to them for as long as we, want, we wanted to after a game. And I can't tell you all the incredible information that we gathered from talking to those guys after games that normally you, you would never get an opportunity like that to uh, to find out just specifics about strategy and, and things that happen in the game and why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And uh, I'm sure it helped those guys develop as, 
develop as coaches too, because uh, they all be, end up becoming head coaches and, and yeah. great well, you know, dealing with media. Well, I, I said that not only all the coaches vocal, I mean, Jeff Jones, my last year, his, his second to last year, he had influence in, in, in the, uh, in the huddles and drawing up play. So yes, yeah, so that's, that's how I got my, you know, got on the radio. They, they used to send up one of the assistant coaches to, to, to the game recap in the old days. And they would, they would rotate every, every third game. And then if we were at an away game and we, you had to go all the way to the top of the stadium, they said, Gates, don't you want to be on the radio? <laughs> and you had to run up just in time to talk to, uh, uh, to Mac. So <laughs> yeah, he did, he did share the wealth and I think all of them are very appreciative and, and look at the success that Dave and, and, and Jim Laranaga and coach Jones is, you know, He's a coach's coach. You know, he, he, he has an opinion and he, he's always, he's always had one and he, you know, his dad was a coach and he's always going to be a coach. Yeah. Jeff uh, Jones was going to be on, uh, he and Brian Stiff both wanted to be on today, but they have tournament games. Uh, yep. Then they couldn't, they couldn't make it. We'll catch up with them some other time. And uh, Ralph was supposed to be on, but I, I know he said he was bouncing back and forth between meetings. So he must've gotten, hung up there somewhere. So, but anyway, uh, uh, it's been grand. I, uh, I know Andrew had to, Kennedy had to leave for a call. Andrew, you're not back on, are you? Yeah, he had, he, he signed off. He said he had to get back on a call. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, you're just stuck with me, Jerry. (laughs) I can think of a lot worse scenarios, (laughs) but, uh, it's been fun. This has been a great hour and a half of, uh, of remembering Terry Holland and uh, you guys sharing your stories. Uh, just great stuff. I, I know that uh, Virginia fans will really enjoy listening to your uh, reminiscing uh, about the big whistle. I, I don't know. Did we ever find out where that name came from, Terry? That was Terry uh, Holland. Uh, yeah, I think he. Nickname Big the Big Whistle. Oh, I think there was an incident where he was demonstrating something, and someone said, "Can you dunk it or not?" And he had, you know, he had his Adidas blue long pants on and a coach's shirt. Had that whistle. I think he got it wrapped around the rim. Oh yeah, you know, I think I I, 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 I wasn't there, but I think you know, I think he's lucky that probably broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do remember hearing that story once that uh, he was trying to do that and the whistle got wrapped around the rim and uh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it was, I just heard the story and, and they, I tell you, they had fun. I think you could tell that those coaches enjoyed coaching. They enjoyed being together. I think they could, they could turn it on and off better than most. They had lives at, outside of basketball families, et cetera. And they encouraged us to do the same. So it was, um, very refreshing to, you know, not being told what to take and far as majors, what, you know, where to be all the time. I was in a fraternity, which probably was unheard of and you couldn't do it now, but at that time you could, it did eat up a lot of time, but um, I was a deep, but you know, the fact that they had trusted us or they encouraged us uh, and then way different from it is now where, you know, if you where you got access 24-7 to food, probably the weight room to shoot, you know, the, the academic center over there, JPJ, 
it's just different different situation than it was. <laughs> I, I hate to say close. It's closer to forty than fifty, but I don't know how many years ago it was. <laughs> yeah, the, the the world of college basketball has certainly changed in conditions. Who knows where it's going? Yeah, I'm afraid to look what it might be like ten years from now. <laughs> um, well, uh, thank you, T Gates. We appreciate you, man. Not a problem. Always a pleasure. I, I'll figure out how to get my my video on next time. This is a brand new computer as of like Monday. So. <laughs> well, I, I hope you're uh, more technically sound than I am because I, oh, I try. I think I was in the right area, but I, this is an IT call. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like like uh, Paige said, where where are the twelve and thirteen year olds when we need them? They could yeah, they could have figured that out in a heartbeat. I'm not so sure I should have downloaded that Zoom application for bank regulation. <laughs> but anyway. All right. All right, brother. Well, thank you. Yep. Have a good one. I'm going to thank our sponsors and, and then sign off, but um, appreciate you. Um, Chris, we've come to an end of uh, 90 minutes of fun, man. I, I don't know about you, but just sitting there listening to people tell stories about uh, – the, the history of Virginia basketball under Terry Holland is, is mesmerizing to me. I could have done this for, for longer. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I could have gone on all night. <laughs> it was great. It, yeah, exactly. It was great seeing everybody uh, jump in and, and uh, play off each other and, and kind of remind each other of stories. That was, that was for me, just for the most part, just listening in as, as someone who grew up in the shadow of, of UVA and UVA basketball. Um, it, it was, it was, um, you know, I'm, I'm the first listener of this podcast, so I feel privileged to have been part of that. I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there do, too. Yeah, I hope, I hope they'll share it with uh, other Wahoos from around the country that may not be aware. But uh, you won't be able to hear these stories uh, very often, if ever. So, uh, gosh, uh, how lucky are we to, to be able to hear this? Some of the guys uh, wanted to join in, but they, they couldn't do it for various reasons, mostly travel and, and tournaments and stuff like that. So, But we appreciate them uh, making an effort. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Aberdeen Barn, the Good Feet, Good Feet people over at Stonefield, uh, Ragged Mountain Running Shop, and Roback, the, uh, the newest uh, activewear company uh, based right here in charlottesville with uh, the q zips and that i've got on here's the logo our, our good friend the dog uh, check out uh, their ad on our website and uh, get 20 percent off of your first order um, but uh, thanks to all the sponsors if, if it weren't for them we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be able to share these great stories with you so uh if you're anytime you uh, can go by and uh, participate in their store and, and support them, it means a lot to us. So uh, that's all I got, Chris. And um, thank you uh, for moder helping moderate this. And uh, wow, what, what a fun time we had. For Great our, stories. For our listeners and viewers out there, this is uh, on, the, on the podcast uh, side of things and also on YouTube. So, um, Phil, please do share this. This is the, for, for if, you're, if you know any UVA basketball fans, um, they'll want to be a part of this. And also, jerryratcliffe.com will have uh, 
a lot of stuff. There's already a lot of stuff on jerryratcliffe.com um, with uh, memories of, of Terry Holland and lots of folks jumping in to share that out uh, to, to the to the world. So thanks to Jerry and Scott. Also, your son, Scott, uh, has been part of that coverage as well. You guys have done a great job. And um, uh, our memories of, of Terry Holland. Uh, this, this has been a great, great experience for everyone involved. Uh, signing off, everyone have a great day. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Goodfeet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com.